I really did go viral. Mm-hmm. I was on 2,000 followers in May 2020. By the first week of September, I was on 280,000. So I've started this series called Threats Tuesdays. It's the most honest I think I've even been for myself online for everyone that does follow me. The day that you stop learning about makeup is the day that you stop becoming a makeup artist. Hello and welcome to Going Viral, the social media podcast. I'm Aideen Fitzmaurice and I am your host. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends, family and strangers over the last few years where there have been endless questions about how the world of influencers actually works. So what better way to tackle these questions than to sit one in front of me, get the juicy info and record it all for your social media loving ears. If you enjoy this podcast, it would mean the world if you shared it, rated it and click the follow button. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week, I'm sitting beside the wonderful James Mack, one of Ireland's most exciting makeup artists. After coming in second place in the Netflix and BBC show Glow Up, James has been busy on the road working with the biggest global makeup brands, including YSL and MAC Cosmetics, and has also been seen partying with the likes of Kate Moss and Yasmin Finney. Welcome, James. Hello. It's so good to be with you, Aideen. It's so good. If we have I could a history. Back time. <laughs> yeah. We we actually know each other from college, and it's I think it's been five years since we've last seen each other. Literally, we've just done a little dance around the studio because I <laughs> I genuinely think the last time I seen you was when I was living back in Ireland, and it's been a moment. It's been like the, these five years have been insane for both of us. Crazy. It's so nice to meet people after a few years and be like, look. You, you're slaying the boots and oh, cats of the, the house now. Yeah, the feelings <laughs> mutual. Literally looking at you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So, for someone who doesn't follow you currently, could you give them a short sum up of what you do and how your career came to be? Absolutely. So, I am a creative freelance makeup artist. I'm currently based in London and I retrained in makeup about five or six years ago in Dublin. We were in DCU together. I had done a bachelor's in multimedia. My strength was in photography. And pre that, I was always into art. I did art for my leaving cert. And now I'm kind of going in the direction of freelance celebrity clientele makeup artists with a lot of kind of tutorial work coming up this year. I've done a lot of master classes recently. And I guess I came up in prominence on a TV show called Glow Up. So that was my opportunity to just showcase makeup as a content creator as well. Um, subjectively an influencer to what yeah. this day and age means. But yeah, very much a kind of all rounds makeup artist. And just to point out, because it's such an important priority for me, it really started with my love for drag. So I'm also a drag artist, but it's such a diverse kind of format that it's very broad. I could, we're going to get yeah, into it. We're going to get into that <laughs> and I can't wait. When we first met, you had just come back from Lapland. You were working as Santa's elf. You had a girlfriend and I had never seen you wear any makeup at all, not even lip gloss. Uh, And the last few years have been more than a transformation. Like, it's just incredible to see. So let's go back to that James, who I met. Who was he and was he hiding his true self or did you find your true self with time? <laughs> that is so segue into who I really am. Okay? I'm just taking, There's so much to unpack I've just there. Got the eye makeup remover and she's just totally taken off my identity <laughs> aiding. It's like the real you was exposed. <laughs> Do you know what? That right there is exactly how I got the first year rep position in the media society because we were both very heavily involved in the club and societies in DCU. So pre-college, I took a year out after leaving cert. Pre that, in my transition year, I was a 
trained ski instructor. I lived in Switzerland. So very, sp- yeah, very different background, very sports orientated. There's always a bit of a teacher in me. There's about seven moon tours in my family among my mom's <laughs> sisters and my dad's side. And yeah, I came from those experiences starting university and I went to Lapland because I wasn't able to get a teaching position having failed my English requirement for DCU. I got a D, you need a C1. I can never get to the point. Still subjective, so I was just rabbiting and not getting points. And um, yeah, I kind of just had a very colourful, I suppose, younger adolescent upbringing. And when I started college, I think you would have, we would have met each other in that AGM. Like, wasn't it like Freshers Week mm-hmm. in university? This is 2000 and am I going to get the right? 18 is 10 years. Just going to put that out there and That's say, do you feel old yet, girl? I do. It was 2013. <laughs> put a bit of bumper bronzer on. Another layer of mascara. One, hype it up. Hire the brow. Hire the brow. You know, blush for the youth. Please. Anything that'll work. A few shades lighter on that concealer. <laughs> yes, right. No more matte mousse in the lips, girls. Um, yeah, so there was a very different me. And that's when we would have first met. And I think then I, you know, I just didn't know. Like, this is such a... That's the... Like, because we obviously haven't seen each other in five years and that's the feeling I got. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah. so... I'm, like, so glad to kind of get that answer from you now and yes. to hear about it. Yeah, and when I look back at that, I think there's so much of myself then that I can relate to now, but in such more of a comfortable light. Um, I was in the closet. I knew I was gay. I didn't know what queer even meant. Um, I was dating an amazing girl who we're still good friends with and we've opened up about so much of our self-expression throughout the years and keep in touch. I couldn't have had an amazing more bearded girlfriend <laughs> and she knows that it's said so much with love. And when I actually went up for that first year AGM, I was so nervous. It was almost like the first time I really stood up for myself whilst I had no idea of how much more I was going to unveil. But then I think the journey into our, well, we spent three years in university together and that's a whole kettle of fish that we can get into. Where are you from, James? And what was it like growing up before college? I hail from Abilix in County Leash in the Midlands. Um, there is a mental hospital and a prison in Port Leash and there's also electric picnics. So, you know, I, we really <laughs> take the diversity box. I say that with love. <laughs> and I come from a very horse-influenced background. My parents grew up with horses my grandfather was a very ambitious uh, ambitious vet and I was more or less born into a saddle and I am an only child to obviously with two amazing parents and this is my first time I'm actually going home since Christmas it's been the longest period I've been away I think ever from home I'm a real homes bird always kind of grew up in the countryside nature is a huge inspiration for me in all aspects whether it was when I started photography animals sports makeup mm-hmm. and I went to a co-ed boarding school in, in Kilkenny Kilkenny College um, I more or less lived between the dorms and the art block so that really summed up a very skimming over a very quick six years there and yeah I took a very pinnacle year out when I was 16 to do this transition year gap year to do my ski instructing course and then the last five years I've been in London so it's just, I'm actually kind of like trying to remember now. I was prepared for it, but it's like a whirlwind. Yeah. And then my mind goes down like seven different avenues. You're really, you're really close with your mom, aren't you? Absolutely. Like, mom is, I'm, sh- I, I'm, I'm her with a wig. Like, we, we've got the same look, genetic, same, almost kind of like, love you, hate you so much as well. Like, we're so close. Yeah. And, you know, I've got so many of my attributes and traits of my father as I grow less young. Let's say that, a little yeah. bit more wiser, I've noticed. Yeah. And how was your college experience? I loved it. I mean, we had such a similar experience. I feel like we, if I was to tell you any tales, you were there. You were at those pre-drinks. You were at those afters as well, Aideen. We were Don't at shave all- me. <laughs> we were in Belfast. We were in, 
you know, so many different crossovers of trips and all the different society balls, the summer balls, the fresher balls, the times that I would have dressed up at the Halloween ball and taken all the like photog- like pictures. Lo and behold, I guess in the long run, I didn't know how essential that would have been to just connecting the dots. I think we all experience that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's almost fundamentally a big purpose of what this whole conversation is about because so much of what's happened in the last 10 years is coming to the forefront of what I do now. Yep. And that's what we're going to get into because I think that's the really important thing for people listening. Definitely. And I think college is such a formative experience, but it's it's about like discovering yourself, but sometimes it takes until you're finished college and you're going out into the adult world to, because I have so many friends mm-hmm. who didn't really come to terms with their sexuality until after college. Yeah. And I think it's something that people think, oh yeah, but you figure everything out when you're like 18, when you're in college and you're doing all the bits, but it does take some people a bit longer. I love, like, I guess long story short, I loved college. I was figuring a lot out mid-experience, but I have 100% without question learned so much afterwards. Like, it is that cliche of the university of life. And I even go to say the last year has been so much turbulence, but also such a learning curve that like 10 years since university, and I don't know, I would sum that up as, well, I would sum that up as saying that's a huge sense of hope, I think, mm. because it was amazing. College was amazing, but I wasn't old enough to know more of what I am meant to know now. So it was fun. I was just kind of almost like ignorance is bliss, but <laughs> it was a valid point. I came out in second year and I dated a lovely, lovely guy. And I literally came out into that relationship. And that was like my friends and family knowing. And I've had it said before from mutual friends after college or maybe in our final year that people nearly forgot about me not being gay per se or that this is like feels like the right agenda. Like I'm reverbing what people have said to me that I believe about myself now as well. Yeah. Is that annoying though? Somebody, let's say when you came out, people were like, oh, I knew you were gay. Yeah. And I'm there like, I had a budget. I had a rehearsal. I had a show ready. If I knew I was going to go and go to the takeaway and say, yeah, I was ready to like, you know, spill it on. And they're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) You're like, I've been waiting for this moment. It's been building up. And now you're just like, yeah. Yeah. If anything, though, that was so reassuring because I think that's a big, like, just global topic of anybody coming out and the question, should you ever have to? I guess I was finding out more about myself. Mm. Let's call it finding out rather than I'm going to get a coffee rather than coming out because, you know, you're just finding out more bits about you. And that was why university was such an important time. I was a year older. I turned 20 in my first year of college because I'd taken a year out to go to Lapland. Um, meaning that I'm turning 30 this year, <laughs> but <laughs> Benjamin Button effect, yay, <laughs> hopefully. Those makeup skills. Are Mama, right, Benjamin okay, back Button. to the blush and the eyebrow lift and the <laughs> mascara, yes please. So what did you do after college? I stayed in Dublin for a year and I freelanced in photography. So in our multimedia course, we had to do a group thesis project in our year and there was four in my year and I took hold of majoring in the photography. So I freelance weddings, photo shoots. I think I'd done some launches or fo- like headshots for some of our friends that were, you know, needed journal headshots because we were all within like the communications media circuit. Yeah. And then I started going out to the George where people would probably find me tonight. <laughs> and that was me discovering the queer community. But before overlapping, I was starting to do more events photography and photographing in there on a Monday night. And on top of that, just to literally pay the bills and actually now have to pay my own rent once we're graduated, I was working in a restaurant in Ranala, a cinnamon cafe. I think anyone that's living in Dublin or the South Next or the North Side, you know, cinnamon is a big name and it was busy. So I was kept on my toes for a year there. And we're talking about 2016 to 2017. Is it true that when you were working in cinnamon, 
that Amy Huberman was a customer of yours and you approached her and basically asked her for a makeup job? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it might have just taken me nine months to go up to her and be like, yes, all right. You said my just scrambled egg and cappuccino with half milk and skimmed. And I knew her order inside out. I remember she coming in. And I told my mom once about it. Um, she would have came in when I would have started my makeup course in September of that previous, you know, autumn. And I was focusing on college. And then one day I finally went up because her first series had just been commissioned by Treasure Production for Finding Joy in RTE. And subsequently, I have a cousin that's also in the entertainment industry, the lovely Ashleen B. And I'm just going to pick that up off the floor there now, <laughs> that name <laughs> dropping. And... Um, you know, ma'am, we knew about it in the family. Mum said, well, if Ashley's on, like, James, you've just gotten this degree. You have a media degree under your belt. I was focusing more on the TV film aspect of makeup, or at least I thought, oh, that's what works for me because I have this background pre-makeup. So TV film makeup must be the answer. Like mm. I was telling myself what should be the answer at the time. And I went up to her, I asked her, and she just said, what's your email? I got the head of hair and makeup designer's email and we were based in Donnybrook two weeks internship that was summer five summers ago like I think that is so crazy that you just she was there and you were like this is my moment and look where it's obviously I think you had the talent anyway you were going to get to the top 100% but it's such a cool way to hear that you actually in person you were like right I'm just going to go up mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask if she can open this door mm -hmm. for me she paid for enough cappuccinos and scrambled eggs to give me three <laughs> three seconds of her time. I swear to God, I'm not joking. It's the same order. At least she's consistent. Did she Did you know who you were? Like, did she remember you oh, as like a worker? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I used to do the morning shift. I probably the reason that I left because I just talked so much. And like, they put me in front of house at weekend brunches because I was just good at negotiating tables and just entertaining the people when the kitchen was busy. <laughs> and, you know, I would just chat and like probably want to get away from work. Yeah. And she was, you know, Super nice. I mean, fundamentally, are we breaking it down to be like, thank you, Miss Amy Hubernham, for creating my career. <laughs> it's all because of you. <laughs> Essentially, it is a starting point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what a great starting point it is because she's such a queen. Yeah. What is it about makeup that inspires you? I think it was just the most correct and right feeling of how to create art for me. So I loved art in school. I used to do a lot of clay, ceramics. Um, batiks, oil paintings, acrylic paintings. I was obsessed with owls. Maybe that's coming from the barren country, but hokey pokey country folky kid in me. And I did like this big paper mache owl for my junior cert project, which mom actually sent me WhatsApp up last week saying she's gone <laughs> in the skip. And I was like, do you know what? She had her time. So it's good to bring her up. RIP Woody. And um, I always wanted to do art through the form of makeup. Like if I was to go back and do my sixth year 2D print work project again, I would have done a face chart and like, you know, snatched eye, drawn on lips with those like uh, Faber-Castell felt tip pens and then using a Q-tip to like blend like a 2B pencil. Oh, that's what I do for like sketching out my makeup designs now. So I loved art, but it was the wrong medium and I was oppressing all of it. But it's so easy said and done when I look at that time, literally a decade ago. Mm. I just think it was just the way that I wanted to express because everyone, I mean, why is it such a, you know, valuable or lucrative career when it goes well because everyone's obsessed with how they look or they want to look and feel amazing it's like the most elevated you can feel physically about yourself or about something and I, I know that now mm. but I didn't know that then so that just honestly it just needed time 
before I guess I knew I was going to get there and well I did eventually what made you pick up that first makeup brush do you know what no I'll be really honest I was living with my first boyfriend that I came out to and he's an amazing person and I think it was the breakup like you go through such a weird feeling of you don't want to hide anything anymore and they were the ones that actually said to me Jimbo you think about makeup more than you think about the two other things I love photography and eating oh my god give me I can't have enough food like look at that just you know Christmas dinner every day girl and I was like you're right so that kind of motivated me to like just get out of my shell I was from the age of 15 16 practicing makeup and I'm only bringing it up now because it's almost like in stealth it was such a private thing yeah that it's not even like the first thing I'll mention because it was all the on the front of the reasonings of how I was going to get there um but I do remember Amy Winehouse won the Grammy 2008. It was all that style, the liner, the lashes. And if I wasn't doing makeup as a medium for art in school, I was watching all the girls who were wearing makeup and trying to nearly like learn about it just through observation. But like, how can you learn about it without any practice? And I was in a boarding school, so I'd come home at the weekend. I definitely robbed it out permission. All my cousin's liners and all her Maybelline mascaras. I still use that yellow colossal mascara. Dear and thank you so much. (laughs) She'll know. And um, I was practicing in my bedroom or bathroom for years growing up. But like once every weekend for like four or five years saying nothing, even not even saying it to myself. Like I couldn't even say in the mirror, I wore makeup. I was so stealthy. So then when I got to this point after finishing college and then some personal hurdles just came over, I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I decided to practice on myself. And I actually went out in makeup for the first time. Dublin, so cliche, but Dublin Pride 2017. And girl, it was a look. I flexed. Now I went totally downhill. Some days it's just lucky. <laughs> and then some days it's not. Like some day, even last week I was like, can I really do this? Like it's so peaks and valleys. Yeah. But that gave me such confidence. <laughs> I remember when we left college, I met you like a few years later and I always was like asking you, I was like, God, your eyelashes are stunning. Like you were born with the best eyelashes and you were lying to me the whole I, time. And you know, oh my God, oh my God. Because I feel there's going to be so many people coming for me. Because you know what? I feel like the list is so long that I haven't even gotten through my apologies and like counted my rosaries and all the prayers. And you the, used to be like, they're natural. Just, they're yeah. all natural. So hey, listen, if I wasn't going to be an actress because I was so good at lying, okay. It's good to get it off your chest. James was curling them eyelashes every day. Girl, girl, no, I actually, and even to like give him a reference, we were in Queen's University in Belgium. I remember because like the, <laughs> for, the fear of God, the absolute fear of God inside me when you asked that. And I was like, alarm bells. I was like, you're being routed out. You're being routed out. You're being seen, girl. <laughs> but it's so true. And yes, I did lie for years. And you know, is it mar- unmoral or is it wrong? Sure, to the best degree. Why? Like, who cares? Yeah, I was 100%. so amped up with caring. And you know, we haven't touched on it yet, but the threat side, it's like there were so many other elements that were just blindfolding me to having any sense of honesty Mm. and you know it's even taken years to like break down those walls even to the point now if I have something just say it like I would still almost rationalize it before I get it out Mm. it's not going to take five or ten years but you know that that idea is so ingrained into your mindset even understanding more about well-being and like your the the art of like conscious and subconsciousness it's just hard to unravel something you became so such a professional at hiding it must but have yeah. been such a relief for you when you finally did kind of show your true colors or was it scary <laughs> um well once i learned about color theory because sometimes those colors didn't match and <laughs> they were <laughs> ugly <laughs> but no they are very much in harmony now and yeah it is a relief and you know talking about it, it's like 
I'm definitely going to listen this back and write down this memoir because right now it's going in good order. Listen to it whenever you need, babes. It's <laughs> going to be on the internet. Um, do you think social media is key for makeup artists right now? I think it is a huge tool and platform that why wouldn't you want to avail of it? If you want your opportunities to be stronger, heightened, like, you know, multiplied. And if you want to, you know, be doing anything that's respectfully relevant, it's almost like a given. I think in whatever way you use it, like there shouldn't need, be need to be a, have a pressure. I'm guilty of doing things myself where I was self-editing. I was having to have my social media a certain way where now I'm like, I don't give a because it's not my authenticity. Mm-hmm. So I think it's such an important tool if you just treat it like the way you treat your real life. You know, it's a virtual world, no matter how real it becomes. It's still at the end of the day, to the best degree, what you know, you're like off screen, off camera. And if you could just give as much of that true essence online, well, then it doesn't feel like it's pressure. Mm. So, yeah, I do think it's really important. And, you know, it's, it's a learning curve. It's it's evolving so fast that I even will say it's hard to keep up. I'm like, it's good to be in a room with you if I want <laughs> advice. It's not to be good in a room with you if I want to think I'm doing a good job because Aiden, you are the queen of it. Oh, just stop. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, your your cheeks are matching your color, your dress now. She's blushing, oh, girls. <laughs> How do you stand out from the crowd online? I think your Insta has such a particular look. And I mm. guess part of that is down to your craft. Like mm. as an artist, you obviously have such a style. It's it's very um, eye-catching, very colorful, as you said, inspired by nature, mm-hmm. the elements. But in terms of social media. I would say it's a toss between nurturement and what I've learned, studied. And then again, authenticity, just like, you know, finding finding your USP. So when I look back and I think about college and I was, my forte was in photography. I had my first Fujifilm snap pics. It was a family camera from my mom on like a holiday in 2008. It was like 14 pixels, whatever. I was Picasso and I was taking, taking loads of pictures. My uncle was into photography we went on a Christmas like family trip to America one year for my 18th birthday and he gave me some like rules of third with this and like just how to create a better composition. Time, time built up as well. And all the experiences that I've listed from like when I was a teenager up until graduating college, all of that time and effort when I knew I was like scratching the surface of where my real passion for let's say capturing an amazing image because now it's like I captured the look. Yeah, That was all fundamental because then when makeup became my priority and it then became my sole well form of work and like my line of career and then the world ended in 2020 and I had just film glow up in my first year living in the UK but it was under belts and I literally had told four people my dad didn't even know actually um that's when I went into social media and photographing looks and actually finally creating more than what would be your substantial like TV film makeup because I was initially thinking that was the route I wanted when I did um, Finding Joy and when I went on to do a few other TV series that started my career in the UK no 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 I knew the creative needed to sink in so it was everything that I'd learned previously that it all ties into it, it one another mm. and if I was to jump the gun like the synopsis basically is for anyone that's like thinking they have an end goal or they know their gut feeling but they don't have the like results yet and they're like what am I doing wrong you just need the time because here we are again I'm repeating like 10 years later it's so fundamental all the experiences we had because who knew that you'd be doing this podcast you know who knew like so it all just adds up and you just have to trust that process but I feel like I can't even share that or give that advice or reflect on it before getting to this point yeah do you think that your 
photography has been fundamental to the growth of your page because your images and videos are of such a high quality because you started out with that eye yeah yeah absolutely sorry like that's that's the whole purpose or the meaning um having had trained you know the eye and seeing what necessarily isn't obvious to the untrained eye like that's just takes time and practice and the one thing I think for me it's all about lighting and I learned so much about how to shoot my work I remember actually getting a camera and it's a Canon G7X Mark III for anyone that really wants to get into it and I got it the second week in the week of the pandemic it was March 2020 I'd actually moved into it yet again another flat in London sorry <laughs> my life I might as well just stayed on the bus <laughs> and I remember this like it was a month's rent to buy this camera and I'd gotten advice because having finished a show we were all talking the cast members and alumni of this show how do we recreate our content we know social media was like just as important as it is now three years ago obviously and when the pandemic hit I came home didn't have to pay rent I was like okay I'm going to use this camera that I got. I always remember posting, I think St. Patrick's Day, I did like a look and it was like someone messaged me saying, girl, where is this image from? Like you just slapped. And I was like, okay, it's a new camera. The quality is amazing. I'm putting all my like eggs into one basket of what I've learned. And then the pe- like, then just it snowballed. Here we are three years later. Mm. And I feel like that was like, my, I know what you're talking about, that Instagram. People can have a look at it as well. I know we'll have all the threads and the links, but yeah, I do have an aesthetic, but that's how it, has essentially just yeah. evolved. How long does it take you to do one of your looks that people will see when they go for a little stock on your Insta? Oh my God, Aileen, how long? It's a piece of string, girl. It's so subjective. It's so, <laughs> no, it's so subjective because like the real wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, extravagant looks that I'm only really re-entering that era now after three, two year break because life is so different post-pandemic. I have so much more reality well, just requirements because I'm a working makeup artist alongside content creating, which yeah. I'll get into is a whole other point. Um, the longest I've ever spent on a look was 13 hours. I didn't mean to. It was one of my best looks. Um, it was just all this pompous grass. I played with lighting. I made a set. It was a look that was not meant to be what it was. But once I tapped into it, I said, I'm going for it. Nowadays, and even only in the last two weeks, I've set up a brand new studio finally a base like what I had in the pandemic in London but I'm back on that content creating trend and I say a look would take me like maybe an hour like I have to I have to plan it out now because mm. you can't like it's not the pandemic I'm not sitting at home and nine months go by and I can do whatever I want with my time which is what I did I created all these insane looks but you have to just you know yeah. organize it I say actually now when you think about it the pandemic was so valuable to artists because as you said there was so much time to actually work on your craft what advice do you have for aspiring makeup artists know your lighting find the light be it a good windowsill where there's white walls there's good reflections get a good mirror buy the 50 sorry i'm thinking pounds aren't i buy the 50 euro (laughs) you know amazon softbox link or just rent out a cheap working softbox understand lighting before you actually Figure out your style, figure out what area of makeup you want to get into, figure out who to look up to. Because if you can't see it first, if physically or in your mind's eye, the rest, like it'll just be a very bumpy road. So it sounds weird, but honestly, I'm cutting out all the rest. In uh, it's now like the world TikTok, the big trend is de-influencing. Do you think that there's maybe like a lack of trust among consumers and social media users in makeup content creators? Do you know what? I think that'll never end, but I think what'll make anyone 
in the industry succeed and you see some of the original creators that are still going uh, is honesty. Like if you're not honest, you're never going to have longevity. I've had to go to recreate my social media recently and I've had to meet with my own management and team to be like, how I'm, I'm slipping a bit here. Because a fun like a fun fact, I've lost nineteen thousand followers since Glow Up. Um wow. it blew up in August twenty twenty on Netflix and I got three hundred K. Two nine nine. I just missed the three hundred. <laughs> and I'm on two eighty. Yeah. And you know, I know the algorithm and a lot of people have affected. You're one of the girls that have gone surfboard, like going up, and I'm proud of you. It's cause it's like everyone's going back. But it's like cracking the code or following being honest. Yeah. So that's probably a natural progression though from a show on Netflix in a unique case because everybody mm-hmm. becomes really invested in the show. Yeah. And then as time goes on, they're less invested because they haven't watched. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not getting this constant reminder of you. And this isn't what I'm going to say next. Take away any value to, there's now 50 of us as an alumni. There's five series of Glow Up. The wow. fifth one is being aired on BBC right now. But what was in our favour, the pandemic was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Like, no lives should have been cost, how it affected the world, but it was a blessing in disguise and everyone's at home when our series dropped and we really were almost like at the, it was the icing on the cake for the whole series as a franchise over the last five years. Ours blew up the best, the biggest mm-hmm. and just it's, you know, and but there's amazing artists is what I'm saying and like there's so much talent every year. It's a hard ball game because it's like that thing, it's social media like mandatory almost to success of a makeup artist. It helps a lot if you choose to work it right. But yeah, it was just right place, right time, but yeah. it was how you capitalized on it. And I think I did a good job. It has dipped a bit. Um, I actually have an interesting point that I want to make. When I went back into the working world in London and I joined the amazing Val Garland's team, who's one of the like the head judges on Glow Up and she's the global makeup director for L'Oreal. She's created Lady Gaga's Born This Way look. She's done, like, she's done years. She's an icon. And we, as part of our experience with the sh- post the show, got to go to L'Oreal, got to go to Paris to work at the L'Oreal's Paris Fashion Week, October 2021. I had to do Amber Heard's makeup and miss the Heard Johnny Depp trial. And I posted my work because I, you know, I had to. I was with Team Val. I wasn't sure going to knock this artist working opportunity. I lost 4,000 followers in one day. What? And the hate mail I got was insane. And I've never gotten hate mail, quite frankly. But, you know, Johnny Depp is such a mogul for the characters that have been created for, you know, so many people that love everything. Disney, the mm. fantasy world. And, like, you know, someone that I actually am a massive fan of because so many makeup artists recreate all the characters that Johnny Depp has, like, been, you know, so insightful, re- like, acting out over the decades. Mm. And people were like, how could you, you know? And I was like, how could I not go to work? You know, it's such yeah. a fine line. You don't know who's going to be sitting in the chair in front of you when you start. And it was so tough because that's when the decline in my numbers started. But I find I'm, like, re- I'm re-owning it for myself now. Because I really did go viral. Mm-hmm. I was on 2,000 followers in May 2020. By the first week of September, I was on 280,000. And then I got verified one day and I didn't even know about it. I'm like, huh? <laughs> How did that make you feel? That growth? It, I was really happy that we were in the pandemic because I don't think I could have handled like the outdoor environment. It, you know, because I am, which is like contrary to belief, a quite introverted person I just think I know how to ramble my words now and I was always shy growing up but when I was online I almost felt like they're just there is a virtual filter to everyone even when they were some of my friends I know we'd be chatting away and I can like you know do the talk walk like walk the virtual walk but then in person I'd be a lot more shy and wouldn't even like go up to people whereas Mm. now I've actually 
had a warm up, had time to nearly get used to, I suppose, an element of my public profile, and especially in my industry. I've just come back from the New York makeup show last month and it was my first time being at a big international demo where basically half of America and Latin America were there and they all remembered the show from 2020 and I had like a meet and greet and I haven't had that in person wow. like kind of fan base experience yet and there there is a culture there is a glow up cult and we have fans and JMAC fans and I got to meet them for the first time three years after all of this I got so used to being okay online thankfully because of the pandemic so Three years later, I feel now I'm actually owning my understanding of who I am existing online. And again, to keep it consistent for any of us, to keep in the game, just keep it real. So I've started this series called Tourette's Tuesdays that I've just launched. That we're, what is it? The Thursday here today we're recording in Dublin. Yep. And I'm hoping that that will be something that I can really see going into the future because it's the most honest I think I've even been for myself online for everyone that does follow me. Yeah. What was it that made you decide to talk about your threats online? It's gotten a lot worse in the last year and a half. It might not look like it now because everything is based around stimulants for Tourette's and there's different forms of it. There's tics, stims, uh, the most stereotypical form that people think the swearing out loud in public. That's coporalia. I don't have that. But then I kind of think so maybe sometimes I do. If I'm at a good party. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> can you be loud? Um, I've learned so much about the condition recently whether I'm talking about it more or with age, the condition develops and changes and it got really bad and it still is quite bad. Coming up now, because I'm thinking of it, um, around Christmas time. Mm. So I took like, like like almost like a sabbatical. I took six weeks back home in December at the start of January and I just had a really low point and this is just six months gone by and I thought I need to do something about it. And I went for a very particular treatment that gave me a lot of pain relief where I built up such a stamina and just a way of feeling used to the kind of like underlying pain and tension that just builds up in my neck in particular and then around like my shoulders and my legs. Now I'm not as 21 anymore. My body is changing and taking a bit of an effect. So it was like a scare. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, no, I can't keep this to myself. And it's funny. These are the things that kind of happen in life for you to finally embrace. Like, I don't think I'm doing it at any time later. And I think, again, I'm coming to social media to use the power of social media at the right time. All these should have, could have, would haves. Sure, I should have done this when the show first launched and there's a segment about my threats on the show, but I wasn't ready. And yeah. you know, could have I mandled my social media even better, perhaps, but I wasn't ready for that. Mm. So again, for people listening, it's like, you you do what you're capable of doing at the time. Is this something that you've had since birth? Like, have you always had it? I've always had it. It is def. it is... I do have like a neurological diagnosed form of Tourette's syndrome. I got diagnosed in my leaving cert. It developed at about six or seven years old and it started with, but well, now I even have only learned recently the term stimming, which was the eye blinking, the leg jumping, literally twirling on the spot. That's why I was great in the George when I used to go dancing and like, you know, I can pull a move and do a drag number because I'm always twirling, spinning and dipping and splitting. It's Tourette's. <laughs> Want to dance? Yeah, Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> You're using it to your advantage. But you know what? Learning how to have fun with it and like, you know, love yourself more about it. Taking yeah. like the make in a healthy way or just like learning how to appreciate it and actually use it for like more relatability. Um, so yeah, those things started kicking in at six or seven. Nail biting. And I can't, I kid you not, I'm literally on a month without doing it and I almost think is that a reflection of me after years and it's so important in the industry to, for your appearance as a working artist so imagine how I felt trying to 
never show my hands and like I never show them in content and make sure artists don't really see them they've gotten better because I feel I've lifted a massive weight of acceptance and understanding and I know we're both natural teachers and sharing is our name of the game I feel I'm doing what I meant to do with it now but all those habits started younger and then the real tick grunting respiratory and the neck turning started kicking in you know when adolescence and bullying in school and just you learn to understand what stress means you know the innocence has gone out of being a kid and just life in general yeah and you know I think the last two years I've just had to gain more responsibilities as you grow older as an adult that it's blowing me out of the waters and it's gone really bad so maybe is it worse when you're stressed oh yeah definitely and it's and you know it can be a thing where and I it can be a thing where when I'm excited anything that's a stimulant whether you're happy excited nervous drunk intoxicated anything like tired it's a reactive thing and it's subjective to everyone that is on the spectrum of having any form of Tourette's. But for me, I remember I was obsessed with the Pussycat Dolls. And I remember I'd like literally the box, Kiss FM or MTV, a new music video would come out. Girl, I'd have to go back and watch it three times because I missed the first time. I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I'm like, oh my God, Nicole, like, hey, I'm going off 90 because I'm so like, this is, you know, the looks, the hair, the drag of it all. That's what I love. But I'd be flipping going mad. So even in like DCU, I would miss so many things because I wasn't looking. <laughs> I was out the fire exit. And like it's taken me years to actually realize that and accept that and find the humor and the joy in it. But then it's like when I say it, people actually really understand and respect it. And um, yeah, that's been one thing that's kind of just happened a lot more. But, you know, I'm looking for resources. There's definitely ways to help with it. Mm. Does it impact your work? Like you're a makeup artist, so I can imagine you have to have very precision in your work. Right. So there you, uh, for me, because I was so passionate about art and I would not let anything stand in the way of, I guess, something that I'm just like so love. And that gives me that stimulants. When I pick up a brush and even the cleanest aligner, it's like I'm getting enough stimulants to just be more steady than... I than a ballet dancer I don't know like someone that you know has a standstill the people outside Buckingham Palace like your man's like just <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still as a pillar and it's because I'm with it I'm paying attention and then you know I've had people question are you just putting it on then but it comes back to that idea of what demand your mind and neurological system and body needs mm. and I remember when I used to do Halloween makeups and drag and take photographs and be in nightclubs and busy surroundings. It was like, because I loved going out. Oh my God, did I go to any lectures in my degree? I'm amazed I got my multimedia degree, Aideen. I don't know about you. Um, because I was out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, you know, doing what I enjoyed. And when I actually applied for Glow Up, I remember the producers, they were like salivating at the keyboards. They're like, okay, tell us this amazing story, how the power of makeup, you know, helps you with your Tourette's. Come on, like big tick. <laughs> when I actually, pun intended yeah pun intended everywhere and um yeah like that's how that's how it doesn't affect my makeup now when I'm doing a particular moment like the liner or a technical detail I do that thing where I go out to the right and it's almost like I shake it off so I have that window period to get really into it and mm. I've learned that about myself in the last like four or five years and that's why my line work is like I do all this body painting kind of freestyle work, which was my big USP when I competed on Glow Up. I remember mm-hmm. being like, that's my skill or that's my stamp. Rejush it in all the different challenges because I think that's how I got to the finale. <laughs> that's amazing. So it's like 
your life experience is shown through your art. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, oh, big emotion, but yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Have you ever faced any kind of adversity as a result of your Tourette's? I say, you know what? I went through such a grilling in school and I'm not playing the victim, but it's just like, you know, saying it as it is that it prepared me for a lot more just strength. The biggest adversity, you know, is in myself. I know that sounds deep, but I put so much pressure on myself. And maybe that's a reflection of this industry, reflection of it being a makeup artist. It's you're only as good as your last look. The social media world. I say, and I'm saying, I'm saying all this stuff like be authentic, be your true self. You cannot say even the best of the best get not don't get caught up in it. I'll always remember in first year in school, one group of lads were like, hey, no, can we call you Twitcher? And that's the first time I actually ever really knew the word for what it was. Mm. And I remember thinking, you have to say yes to like get feel accepted. In general, people will always just say, what is he doing over there? Like someone commented on a post at, said again, I went back to Paris Fashion Week last October and I had the lovely Eva, Eva Angoria in my chair. And I was like, oh my God, Wisteria Lane, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> and the first thing she said to me, she's like, oh my God, Ireland, Tato Park. And I was like, girl, the one thing you're going to say, like, you know, Tato Park. I was like, oh, you are like cultured. <laughs> <laughs> and we had like the fastest 20 minute makeup and such good crack. But I was in the back of one, one of Val Garland's reels on Instagram and someone wrote a comment. Someone who's a professional hair artist with his own academy and like, you know, brand mm-hmm. and he goes whoa what's like the guy's going crazy in the background or what the hell's wrong with him and again I could choose to get offended and hurt and be like how dare and like this isn't even someone like that's not that derogative or insulting but that's how people normally react because mm. I think it is somewhat n- to the better degree among society and people respect it like come on you're not doing it how can you relate like you know the people that are most insecure let's say about homosexuality and they you know, are downplaying and being so abusive towards queer culture. That's because it's an insecurity themselves. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't play on Tourette's because it's not like, oh, you're, you have Tourette's and you're so insecure about it. Because girl, if you did, we'd know. So it's out of like lack of education. Yeah. And sometimes that's the only real adversity. But I think the biggest struggle was how I treated myself mm-hmm. about it. And that has taken the last few years to really come to a better place and I'm still working on still working on but hey ho that's why Trust Tuesday started well I'm so proud of you for talking about it I think like you sharing your story will help so many people maybe not even people who have Tourette's but people who have other things that you know might make them different but it's just being like this is me and I'm proud of the way I am Mm -hmm, absolutely and with social media it's funny how it relates to online because if we're living in this day and age and so much of our lives are online as much as we try to keep it real if you whatever way you're treating yourself in the real moment it's going to reflect on how you're going to act online as well Mm. so I'm finding nearly like just more peace with all of that and that's just again I'm using that as an example consistently for people to find that healthy space because I think that's the key to how you're going to go viral anything if you just do what is honestly the right like meant to be for you people will follow you yeah what's it like working on the runway shows oh my god girl so with all this like energy and stimulants <laughs> and people are freaking out mama pressures for tires i'm <laughs> loving it because it's like it hits as much of a stimulant as i need because i put myself through backstage every day yeah. in my mind um no it is nail biting it, it, it's like it's sweat producing like my face gets very flushed when I'm like under stress and you know I'm keeping my cool 
how I cope with backstage is I think about all of the life experiences I've lived pre-makeup and I often use this mentality for when I was participating in glow up I always say I've been through worse and I'm always like J-Mac you've done it girl I'm like putting this mascara on this like global celebrity and just matching her skin shade getting a bit of blush you know she loves highlighter like you know break it down and after that it's not that big of a deal and with the industry makeup artistry i've even worked with people that are big names and assisted for designers and then once you kind of get into their closed circle they'll say god i'm actually feeling nervous today and i'm like now that's relatability that is so reassuring i love to find people's vulnerabilities insecurities not to peg it out of them or not not to like you know point it at point the finger at them rather to be like oh my god thank you for inviting me to the table like i feel so much better we'll all get through this so yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But I enjoy the thrill of it because mm. I need that kind of buzz energy. I think that's why it's a tough game. And if you're not that way inclined, this is probably the most important part. If you're not that way inclined, find elements of practicing, asking as many questions, listening, and then trust me, again, breaking it down. It's far more achievable than you might think when you do get into the industry and you work in like the fashion side of things. And it moves all the time. Like I've had clients that come and go. Things change, but my style changes. Mm-hmm. And you just have to trust that everything does. It's so cliche, but truly everything does happen for you for a reason. And when I trained in Vanity X, I remember my very first day, there was an amazing tutor. There was such a great team the year that I was there. And they said, the day that you stop learning about makeup is the day that you stop becoming a makeup artist. So like I'm learning so much all the time. There's so many mistakes being made. You're always going to be retraining and practicing. And again, just trying to be as honest and come forward to the table mm. with so many other like artists that are out there. Because we're all, no matter if you're 30 years in the industry, or you're the Val Garlands or you're the little old me's are starting off less than a decade under your belt. You know, we're all almost starting from scratch nearly yeah. every day. Who's been your favorite face that you've painted? I would have to say my mom. Like I love when... You know, she feels beautiful and like I've done her makeup before and she's like, oh my God, Jimbo, no, 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 no. She's like way too much. And I'm like, what do you mean way too much? You don't know about makeup. And like, you know, we've come to disagreements and agreements and like more than ever now, I used to be nervous of doing her makeup where I'm like, oh, I know it's like inside out, but it's so much fun for me as well. Mm. Um, I've had amazing clients where the more consistent I work with them, you know, the more you get to, you just know what their style is. You then feel more confident to be, a little bit more creative once you kind of just have their signature look down. So I'm being very diplomatic here, of course, but um, I've had some amazing opportunities where I've gotten to see amazing samples of my work on, you know, some big names. And I'm like, this is such a cool feeling. This is why I want to do it. Like who? <laughs> um, I would have to say maybe Yasmin Finney is an amazing up and coming, well, breakthrough star, actress, yeah. just such a beautiful soul as well. And I've had the privilege to work with her a lot recently. And I will say, you know, for Facts of Facts, she was the cover of Vogue's issue in December. And I think one of the best moments I did have with her was getting her ready for the British Fashion Awards in December last year. And she's become the first ever UK ambassador for YSL Beauty. And we were brought to Marrakesh earlier this year. So now you've unlocked it. <laughs> we were brought to Marrakesh earlier this year on a brand trip as, you know, part of her partnership. And it's opened up an opportunity for me to work with YSL. And I'm mm. just very proud of her. She's got an amazing list of just fantastic work and things coming out this year. Black Pepper, another great soul. And, you know, I've done amazing work 
with them as well so I'm very proud of my portfolio and just the things I've gotten to do you know collectively with so many other queer creative artists whether they're model drag performer actors or you know just visionaries regardless talk to me about <laughs> glow up because we we skimmed past it there but I just want to like come back to it because it was your big career moment yeah. what was it like doing the show I watched the first series when I just moved to the UK and I was a trainee on my cousin Ashley's first series of her show this way up that's what I did following on from finding joy I had two other TV jobs and then Ashley's show uh, simultaneously watching glow up series one watching it and seeing it was an amalgamation of makeup and media, I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, sure, I did degrees in both of them. Like, I, I must go for this. And I did. Um, But I would have never imagined the end or even my energy that I brought to the table to, like, actually participate and how I was even going to get through the competition the day I applied. I was like, I remember sitting myself down and being like, just apply, let the rest happen. And then let the next day happen. Mm-hmm. Like there's never not a time now in my life from the day I applied that's not going to be part of my entity, right? Yeah. Um, going into it then, I remember just being like, just give it your best shot. There was so much, you know, if I went in like with what I know now, but that's like all of us if we had the end at the beginning, it wouldn't be the experience. Thank God it was very art focused. The creative briefs are like the biggest, well, it's a selling point of the production. And I was using all of my art and my skills in art and my like, techniques and like the textures that I used and I was creating essentially more art than beauty because the beauty challenges that were the industries I was shite at those because I didn't follow the brief that's if there's any glow up I've had since then it's following a brief and a real maker I'm a real <laughs> well, boy let's bet that into you and it was when Michelle Visage oh my god when she came out on episode four and it was a club kid look and I moved to London and was entering like understanding more about my drag and it wasn't just the Femme illusion drag It was always a little Queer creative outtake I was doing club kid looks Where I was literally Walking out of the house Purple or yellow Getting on the tube Being like Red light green light Here we go Me <laughs> In makeup And um, that Like all stood to me I was 25 When I did glow up What if I wanted that When I was 18 If that was an opportunity Back then Even if I was still in Ireland Unless I glow up Ireland Came to fruition Yes 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 I would have loved all that When I was younger I'm so happy it happened At where I mean I'm happy Where everything is happening At the right time because I had all this experience in college, the necessity of coming out, going through some heartache, you know, just sense of failure, um, traveling, all my like kind of pre-globe lived experiences, because I traveled and lived in a lot of different places. I put that all into the competition. So yeah. like I was meant to happen at the right time. And that's what I say to anyone again, coming back to whatever you're looking <laughs> to do. It's just so true. It's repetitive because yeah. history will always repeat itself. It's mm-hmm. like, you there you have to go through a certain experience because you have you need that story for whatever is the real like succession you're about to experience. Yeah. You so, were talking about your drag there. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Oh hello. Yes, Miss J Mac. It's self explanatory, James Mac abbreviated. Um I guess I also dipped into the world of well, lo- realizing it was makeup for me through the art of drag. Um I was doing a lot pre pandemic in London, kind of on the very East London queer scene doing different performances, dressing up in J-Mac, having all this negative spacing with these eyelashes. Like, mm. in the words of Val and Dom now, they're always forever going to be branded as testicles from the show. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, hairy ball te- testicles for on your nerves. On the face. Listen, I, I, I'm, it's not like I'm cutting down on my words here either. I just keep it eccentric and very detailed. And, yeah, drag is just something that I've always been passionate about. I loved drag and I was dressing up in my mom's like skirts, shoes, outfits, pre-drag race. I was like 
understanding this desire myself before having any influence. Mm. Like I don't even really have that many makeup artists aspiration. Like I'm not aspired to any particular designer or style. I've always just kind of seen my mind's eye and then it's like you get this creative block. It could last a year or two sometimes. I feel like I'm tapping into a new idea, ideology again. Mm. I wasn't like, you know, inspired by any particular thing, but I just knew I loved drag and it's like any of my makeup art. Um, J-Mac is a form, a part of me that, you know, drag is just so much fun. It's so liberating and it really is a, you know, mockery of society because like, who cares? But we love you. That's what I say to like my queer sisters now. It's like, bitch, I don't care, but I love you. Like, why take things so seriously? And I've had to learn that for someone who's been so hard on myself and perfected so much of my life, essentially. Drag on the biggest picture has taught me that. Now, I love to look a certain particular way and have it finessed. That's just a flick of the wrist is what I'm second nature to. Mm. But to be able to, like, play it up and have fun, it's just fun. And it's where I've met all my friends and, like, the queer community that I feel a part of now. Drag makes me feel belonged. What's a misconception people have about the drag industry? So I'd say the biggest misconception right now for anyone that has no idea about drag and the leading edu- like the leading information of misconception right now is the news, especially with the drag bands in Tennessee. It's like teaching people that might have no idea that this is like an alert sign. This is like drag is bad when they haven't even experienced the joy of drag. Go to any drag show, any drag event and tell me you have like a bad experience or that you haven't come away thinking about something in the sense that, you know, it's made you reflect because education is good. Like, I would say the biggest misconception is that, yeah, it's a threat to society that there's a perversion with it because that's literally what's being put out there by a very small minority in the world mm. today. But it's like that small minority is full of hate and that can be very powerful. And it's almost like a virus in the sense that it could like multiply when the wrong information is put out there. And, you know the queer community has always been a minority. We fought so much to f- just have acceptance and kind of just get on and do our thing. Um, you're missing out if you don't have drag in your life fundamentally. Honestly, like I, my like happiness levels are at a hundred when I'm with drag queens. I'm just like, this is the best. Like they just make you come out of your shell and just like have a bit of crack. And yeah. just like we went to, I went to um, a drag brunch recently and at the start I was like no I'm not getting up now I'm not getting up and literally by the end of it I was on the table dancing to Westlife I was like this is what it's about like it's just about like having fun and letting go a little bit absolutely and you know it's not that everyone needs to support and like suddenly get into drag that's not where there's a misconception that people think it's a cult that you're gonna like oh if you fall down the drag slide you'll never get out of that dark tunnel like you know it's not like you know we're coming to get you it's more so it just gives you a different perspective you've also painted some of the faces for the opening looks for RuPaul's Drag Race Queens yes ma'am and of course my very special sister Black Pepper I did a lot of work with creating kind of the recreation of her Drag Race UK Series 4 experience. Um, I've gotten to paint Willem on her Paint Me Bitch. I tagged them in, I think it was the Christmas of the pandemic. I'm at home watching A Star is Born. She's in it with Shangela. Oh, yeah. She drops her silicone titty to, for Brad, Bradley Cooper to sign. I don't know, I put it on my story because I tag her and we're following each other equally. It's a direct DM. And she goes, oh my God, I love you on Glow Up, Paint Me Bitch. And when I say I ran it now, it's cold, but I ran around the outside of the house like twice. I was like, oh, my God. Met her in London. We did the thing. Um, Funny cab energy. I was like, do you want to look good today? (laughs) And then um, last year I painted Cheryl Hole and then I was in L.A. 
on like a work travel trip that I planned for 2020, knowing that Glow was going to hit the well the frequencies, mm-hmm. but then the world had other plans. I finally did the trip last year and I got to work with Jimbo, who is just in my personal favorite, one of my favorites, just such a creative soul. So much fun. And we worked on one of their music videos and they're back on this franchise now for the Americans version of All Stars Series 8. And, you know, it's always just an honor. And I think sometimes I live vicariously through drag because there's a part of me that would w- have wanted to do that. Mm. Maybe I will in the future. Oh. I don't. Who knows? Because I get that question <laughs> asked a lot. I'm not even like eavesdropping or teasing. I'm like, I'm asking myself, it's not about having to do something like that. But for me, I want to reintroduce my love for drag. I'm finding a flair for it somewhere again. What's next on the cards for you? Um, so this year has been really special for me. I've gotten to travel a lot for my work. And with the experience built up, I feel now I have the ability to teach more. So I think I'm entering my masterclass era. <laughs> I'm using that word after Love. drag race. Um, I am planning, but also it's just like an aspiration of mine to start doing like global masterclasses. I want to touch base with the Irish community a lot more. Um, I find that I've got such... I've done really amazing things I'm very proud of. There's a lot of succession. My community and my industry connections are very much built in the UK. And as naturally, I just went to London without knowing that anything would take off. And I always find that maybe this is a monologue in my own mind, being honest, that there's a misconception that did I have to leave Ireland to get bigger opportunities? There's such affluence and just so many amazing, talented artists and a huge booming industry, beauty industry in Ireland. I do feel a little bit disconnected to that sometimes. I have you and like the comms media world and I see so many of the alumni and friends of friends that we all collectively know and share that are doing such amazing jobs and I'm like, and things in Ireland but I'm like, I pretty much feel like we know the media world in Ireland because we're coming up after 10 years of the hustle. But in the beauty world, I'm a little disconnected. So I want to come back for me personally to, I've never not been, like I've never not been, uh, too proud to not say I'm not Irish you can hear it in my voice as well I want to mm. find more opportunities in the Irish beauty community um, I want to take master classes and training across the world I definitely see a bigger uh, growth for me to be a particularly recognised personnel celebrity makeup artist because you are not just a makeup artist you're 10 things you're walking a dog you're running the food you're a counsellor you're a therapist you are you know, a towel runner, you are opening the doors, you're a steward, you're, you're a flight attendee as well. Like you, you do so much more when you were personnel for a particularly well-known clientele. Um, that can only get better for me. And I think, yeah, that's as far as I've gotten because I don't know, I couldn't, I, I would never be, I'd be dishonest if I said I want to be XYZ in 20 years. Mm. All I know is I want to keep growing my name and whatever way I'm doing it, it has worked with these five years and I think there's even 10 times the amount of work in the next 10 years but I do have faith that I know my name is just gonna keep growing and you know I look up to people that are you know obtaining that for themselves and maybe that's when I'm inspired by people's stories and just I know I feel inanity because you're doing so well as well that we all are on the right track with just you know having our star rise higher I guess as well what is happening in the last year personally but tying into the makeup with the, ter- the journey speaking up about Tourette's I want to find more resolutions to how I can live just a ha- like a, a more empowered life living with Tourette's because it does affect me a lot. And 
there's a tool being developed at Nottingham University sp- uh, supported with Tourette's Action that Lewis Capaldi has had some media coverage with because he's had his own documentary yeah. coming out. I definitely know I want to find a lot more resources and develop a story through the power of makeup and through how makeup can help with Tourette's. I think there's a big opening for me there to like be a representation for that. And in, especially in Ireland, I'm going off the kilter of makeup, but it's like... Am I going to be makeup ever for the rest of my life? I'll have other bells and whistles to my arsenal. There's no Tourette's Alliance in Ireland since 2018. Wow. So I know that I want to help address that because, again, I'll never forget. I never forget where I come from. And I know that there is one that's growing and I can always support in the UK. But it just means so much to me that I know there is a queer Irish young kid living with Tourette's in the homeland. And that just matters to me that I could help in any way to help establish something that will just, you know, help them find their light sooner than I did. I've no regrets, but that's another mm. deeper goal for me. Thank you so much, James. Oh, I love you, girl. I love you too. <laughs> it's been great to sit across from you and just have this conversation. Thank you so much for your honesty, your insight. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please do give it a five star rating, share it with your friends, and we will see you for the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.